Jewish audio on Chabad.org. The 305th Shir, the Rambam, a continuation of what we started yesterday, the laws of Torah and Venitan. So corresponding to the second increment, chapters 4, 5, and 6, once again we're going to be reviewing and understanding a little bit more deeply the mitzvah of Toin Venitan, mitzvah number 246, mitzvah Eshem and Vav of the positive mitzvahs, which expresses itself, as we explained yesterday, in the notion that when two people come, a plaintiff and a defendant, one has a demand, one denies, but there is a responsibility to take an oath if there's a partial admission, as we explained yesterday in great detail. And today we will go a little bit into greater detail. So firstly, what is the psychology or the rationale behind this, this idea? That when somebody makes a partial admission, that we assume that he probably owes the rest. Why can't we simply say, Reuven makes an exorbitant demand, he's asking for $1,000, and Shimon says, look, I owe you $500. I, I don't know what you want with this $1,000. I don't owe you that much money. Here's what I owe you. Why is he obligated to make an oath with regard to the other $500? Why can't we simply say he admitted he owes $500? Pay $500. So the Gemara Mavakam explains the following. Human nature is such that we have a difficult time denying favors done to us altogether. But we don't have as much a, a difficult time to partially deny when somebody does a, a favor. So therefore... We have this idea that Here is Reuven, kind, compassionate, generous individual. He gave you a loan, gave you a thousand dollars, didn't ask you for anything in return. And, and how do you have the gall, the chutzpah, the insolence, when he comes and he wants to get his own money back? And you say, you? Never heard of you. I don't know you anything. This is, this is something which is it's not in the range of normalcy. A normal person cannot look the plaintiff in the face and say that. What he does make himself comfortable doing is saying, I owe you some money, but come on, not as much as you say. So that he's more comfortable doing. And this, therefore, this is a tactic. The tactic is a way that I'm going to be comfortable with myself. I'm going to allow myself the liberty of lying. Well, partially lying. I didn't entirely deny the person did me a favor. And that's why we make the assumption that once somebody is modeh ben miktzat, he makes a partial admission that there is a distinct likelihood that he actually owes the rest and that the plaintiff comes with integrity. <coughs> this is <coughs> the principle behind this Shavua and this Mitzvah as the Gemara explains in Bava Kama. As such, the Rambam tells us that whilst there are only three examples of people who are required biblically by dint of Torah instruction, so the Bible itself, the Chumash, to take an oath, namely, the Modeb Miktzat, the person who makes a partial admission, the person who is faced with a plaintiff and a witness, Eid Echad, and finally, the Shomer, the watch person, which is not talked about here, that's explained in a different set of halachas, the person who took upon himself responsibility to watch somebody else's item and to return it to him, and later says, I don't have it anymore, but it's not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong, I'm not culpable, I'm not guilty. That person has to make a shavua that he was shomar, that he watched as he was supposed to, that he fulfilled his obligation. 
So the Rambam tells us, quoting our sages now, that you should know that there are another group of people who would be required to take an oath. Not biblically, but this would be something which, which is ordained by the sages, the Takanat Chachamim, as the Gemara says, in the ordination of Rav Nachman, that certain people should take an oath, even though biblically they are not required to do so. This Shavua is called by our sages Shavuat Heset. The idea of a Shavuat Heset is, according to the Me'ire Senayim, it comes from the word to place. The Chachamim placed this albatross around your neck. They gave you this obligation to respond. Because the assumption is, if a person came to court, he didn't come out of thin air. There was some basis. Then usually, where there's smoke, there's usually a fire. We're not sure. So therefore, the Chachamim placed this oath, this solemn shavua upon you, at least to get some kind of serious response from you, instead of simple dismissal. Others maintain that the word hesis in Hebrew is connected to the idea of enticing. But it's a negative form of enticement. In other words, there's, there's sometimes circumstances that will evoke a response. The pressure, the extenuating nuances of a particular set of circumstances will necessarily evoke and entice a person to address the, the, the question differently. So a person came over and said, you owe me money. I don't know your money. Leave me alone. Oh, that's so simple. Would you like to do that in court? Are you sure you don't know money? Well, I'm not 100% sure. I don't think. Ah, oh, now you're thinking twice. Why? Because you have to take an oath. Say Hashem's name. So people make statements all the time. But they're not ready to swear in a Torah. So therefore, the, the logic was like this. A sachir. A sachir is a person who was hired to do a job. And he says he wasn't paid. And the owner says, I paid you. So what's the problem? The problem is that the plantation employer, for example, the head of the plantation, he has 100 people working for him. Does he really remember if he paid somebody or not? Maybe he thought he paid somebody and actually didn't pay him. So therefore, when we say, you don't owe him the money, make an oath that you don't owe him the money. Oh, I have to make an oath? That's a little different. Another example is a person... <coughs> It was called a nechbal. So this would be an individual whom we necessarily assume is, 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 uh, may not be saying things exactly as they are. However, once we find this person claims injury and the other says, I did pay you, I didn't pay you. So you didn't pay? You're so sure? Why don't you make an oath? And then a person says, well... I, I think I paid you, but maybe I didn't. And then he takes it a little more seriously. That's the idea of the Shuas Heses, which forces a person to respond with greater integrity. The Rambam says further that even though these Shavuot, these oaths, which are administered by the court, are not biblically ordained, they are what we will call a tributary, a rabbinic tributary of mitzvah Eshmavah, the 246 mitzvah of the Torah. Nonetheless, nonetheless, they are still considered to be very serious and they are administered as a Torah oath, which means that the oath is made when a person is grasping a chayfetz, an object of kedusha of holiness, and he's saying, as I believe in this object, if it's an ordinary person, it'll be a sefer Torah. People usually take that seriously, holding a sefer Torah in their hands. If it's a Talmud Chacham, a person who understands that his words should be taken seriously to begin with, he doesn't have to have a Torah leaning against him. Even if he's holding a pair of tefillin, 
He already takes things a little more seriously. That's how the oath would be administered. Also, people who are shutofen or arisen, people who are sharecroppers or people who are partners in a business. We also require an oath. Why? So the Chachamim say very simple. A lot of times in business, one partner feels that he or she worked harder than the other. Or a sharecropper thinks they did more than their part. So in their mind, they say, you know, technically, I'm not eligible to be paid this amount of money. Or technically, I should have paid this amount back. But you know what? The truth is, I deserve it anyway. And this is how the human condition is. So we soothe our conscience with this idea that in all likelihood, it doesn't matter. So uh, it's a little white lie. It's not really a lie. They really do owe me the money. And that's why the Chacham said we have people in this kind of dispute with their partners in business, and everybody, of course, has their own perspective on things coming from their own reality, or where somebody's engaged in working for a percentage, when in their mind, they see things a little bit differently, and the owner sees things a little bit differently. So in that case, when somebody makes a taina, when somebody comes with a complaint and makes a demand, the response has to come along with the concept of a shavua. Now, there are a number of examples where biblically the threshold of, de- of denial, of partial admission and denial, does not, is not reached. So it's not biblically required to, to impose an oath, but nonetheless the rabbis would have. And here's a, a number of examples. If a person comes and he's not denying or admitting to money, somebody says, I gave you ten books. The person says, I owe you nine books, here's the nine books. Whether it's a book, or it's a plate, or it's a jacket. It's different when it's money. A person like, uh, here's the metaltlin. You say, I owe this number. I say, I owe that number. It's not the same as, as, as units of, of property, a units of movable residuals are not the same as money. Another example would be, if a person is in a situation where one is approaches the other and he says, you owe me $1,000, and the person immediately hands him $500, here's what I owe you. He doesn't say, I, I, it's true that I owe you money, but it's not a thousand, it's five hundred, and then we say, oh, well, he's, he's admitting, but he's denying. This is called the principle of the Gemara, is called Halach. The person says, what, I owe you? Here's what I owe you. The person opens the envelope, hey, it's only five hundred dollars here, you owe me a thousand. Don't do me a favor, don't tell me stories. Here's what I owe you, here's the envelope, I know exactly what you gave me, I know exactly what I'm giving it back. In that case, biblically, one is not required <coughs> to make a shvua, to take an oath. Another example could be where one, they, the request comes with regard to wheat, tonalei chitim, the heidulei, the admission is seorim. So it's not like, if a person would say, you owe me a thousand dollars for bushels of wheat, and the person says, I bought bushels, but it wasn't 500 bushels, it was 250 bushels or something like that. So therefore, I don't owe you that much money, I owe you a smaller amount of money. But here, the heida is not mimin hataina, which means the admission is not in the same frame as the complaint that's lodged against the, the, the defendant. So the plaintiff says, you owe me, you owe me an, an item like wheat. And the defendant says, I don't owe you wheat, I owe you barley. It's not a partial admission. They're on, they're on different wavelengths, they're on, they're on different paths, and different highways. He's talking about, about wheat, he's talking about barley. This one talks about rice. They always talk about noodles. They're not, they're not talking about the same thing. So a partial admission, strictly speaking, as we said, Minat Torah is, ki hu ze. This exactly, 
The, you asked for this, but I only owe you this. We're talking about the same thing. Question of quantity, or maybe quality. But we're talking about the same thing. Here we talk about different items, or different substances, different material. So, <coughs> this is Potter from the Shavuah of the Torah. However, Chachme HaGemara necessitated a Shavuah Heset here as well. Only the second set of Shavuot, which is referred to as Shavuot Heset, is not as serious as the first set. These do not require the holding of a Torah or a pair of tzilin, but rather that when a person is in the court, he will have to say, I swear by the Hashem, by the Lord God of Israel, that I'm telling the truth. And generally speaking, the very notion that somebody has to stand in front of a court and invoke the name of Hashem, and he said, I swear by God that I'm telling the truth, will necessarily provoke them to do a little bit of soul searching and to analyze their memory carefully. And then, hopefully, we're going to get to the truth. That's what we're looking for. All we're looking for is justice. What we're looking for is the truth. And the question is, how do we get there? So the Torah understood human nature and the Chachamim understood from the instructions of the Torah how sometimes we're going to apply specific circumstances in order to be able to do our best to get to the truth. Having said that, does it mean we're always going to know the right thing? Does it mean we're always going to know what happened? Not necessarily. We have the principles of the Torah. We have the mitzvah of the Torah. Here's what the Torah says we should do. And as long as we administer justice as per the instructions of the Torah itself and of the Chachamim in the way they explained the Torah to us and the way they guided us to commit to the Torah, then we are confident that whether or not we discovered the truth is secondary to we are certain we did the right thing. And that is mitzvah number Reish Vav. Not to be a prophet and to know the truth by means of some kind of divination, but to follow a certain system in order to seek the truth with ministering justice amongst people who have a dispute with regard to money or with regard to uh, whether it's a loan or whether it's a business deal or something else that went sour so that we can bring it to a happy conclusion. And that uh, will serve for the 305th share of Rambam.